You're listening to the Life Friendly Business Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Thomas-Wong, business mentor, author, and founder of the Cocoon VIP membership, empowering women around the world to build businesses on their terms. If you want to grow and scale a business that works in harmony with your family and your life, this podcast is for you. Hello, welcome to the Life Friendly Business Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Thomas-Wong, and today I'm speaking to Margaret Schenkin, a personal development coach for female business owners. Margaret spent over a decade in litigation before she had her third child when she decided to make a change and leave her legal profession. She retrained in health and fitness and set up a successful fitness franchise. After having the opportunity to produce a TEDx talk, she realised that she'd built the wrong business. She then went on to move her one-to-one coaching online and create online memberships, and now more recently has decided to niche down even more to focus on mindset and habits. What I love about Margaret's story is the fact that there's not a straight line from A to B. And if you're not quite sure where your passion lies right now, you just need to keep going, keep trying new things and keep evolving as a business owner. Hello, Margaret. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Delighted to be here. I'm I'm excited to to hear more about your story today. So let's dive straight in and talk about what your driver was for leaving the legal profession. Oh, straight in with a, with a it's not a straightforward <laughs> one. It, it's a kind of a I'd say there's a three pronged answer to this one. Um, so I was a litigator for ten years, and obviously some people will know that there's quite a long. Um, journey through university and training in the lead up to that as well and unlike many people who leave the law I was not miserable which in some ways made it more difficult and more complex to leave there was a lot about the law that I loved and it equipped me with so many amazing skills and training Um, but I would say I always felt like there was something missing I knew that I didn't feel completely fulfilled in the law and I just always had this feeling that there was something more and something else that I should be doing. And sometimes you don't get the answer to that until you've actually made the change and you look back retrospectively. So I love, this is going to sound (laughs) a bit misworldy, I love helping people um, to feel happier in their lives. And I love, I've always loved helping people to solve problems as well. So when I went into the law, I thought that I was going to be helping people. And I've also always had a great love of language and words. And I did obviously get that from uh, the law. I loved that part about the profession. But I chose to, I got my traineeship in a really large corporate style firm. And that was intentional. But with hindsight, I think I probably would have been better suited in a smaller firm, maybe a high street, small to medium sized firm, where I had more contact with people because I felt in the larger firm where, so I was a construction litigator and we we acted for large building companies, contractors and employers. And there wasn't much personal contact and connection with the actual client. It would always just be somebody representing the company. 
And I think I really missed that because I know that I loved client meetings and they all viewed me as being a bit weird in, in the firm <laughs> because I'd say the majority of lawyers used to certainly back then say, I wish the clients would just leave me alone so I can get on with my work. Whereas I got really excited about client meetings. And so I, I, I didn't really get enough client contact, I would say. So that was one reason. And another reason was, so I had my first two children quite close together and I went back for a short while and actually I left just so that I could work around my children rather than the other way around. So my husband's a lawyer as well. He worked really long hours and it just became very messy and complex. And I thought, you know, there's obviously a lot of different options and there is no one correct way for any woman. But I knew that I wanted one of us to be there with them. So I thought, well, I'll step back. He was further ahead in his career at that point and I'm going to go and build a business and then it means I can be flexible with my working hours. I was never sh shy or scared of hard work, but I wanted more flexibility, especially with litigation when you can't really control the timetable. And the third reason was I knew I was willing to work really, really hard and roll my sleeves up, you know, and get stuck in. But I thought, you know, the highest point you can get in a law firm is managing partner. And it never sat well with me that there was a ceiling of any kind. <laughs> I've always been quite ambitious. And when looking at my path, it may not seem like that now, because a lot of people assume I left so that I could have an easier life. It wasn't that at all. So yeah, that, that was the last reason. I thought if I am going to work this hard, I want the sky to be the limit. I love that. And I think that so many people will resonate with all of those things that you said. I think, you know, being able to do things on your own terms as well is it sounds like it was one of the driving factors of you making that change and I think you know when when you do have children your what's important to you changes as well and like you say like your career was still really important and you wanted to have a career but you wanted to be able to fit it around everything else in your life um, Absolutely. And, and I would also like to add for anybody that's at the start of that journey, it, it wasn't easy and it wasn't straightforward. I, I spoke to somebody recently and it took me at least five years to shed that, you know, your, your, your work and your career really become who you are. And I felt like for a long time I'd lost my identity when I left the law. I, I felt totally the same. I used to work in television production and it was very much who I was. You know, I, I loved nothing more than meeting people out socially and then saying, oh, what do you do? And I said, I work in TV and their eyes would light up. And it very much was who I was. And my social life was also all surrounded by my TV friends, you know. Um, and so when I like had my son and stepped away and then decided to start my own business as well, I it, it gave my confidence a huge battering because I started something completely new you know I didn't I went to university and I did media and then suddenly I was creating a, a jewellery business and you know I felt I felt small I felt like people looked at me as if I was small but actually it was because I felt small inside. 100% I can completely relate to that and I as you know 
re-trained in health and fitness and became a personal trainer and nutritionist. And right from day one, I decided that I was going to build my own business and that I was not going to be an employee again. And I never have been. However, the way I thought people viewed me was, oh, you've left the law to just go and do some wee fitness classes. (laughs) And again, I felt very small. I felt that people were very dismissive of me when we were out socialising. But now looking back, I realised that was all in my own head. And I think the loss of identity from your profession or your career, coupled with the loss that you also get when you become a mum, um, is, is really quite intense. Yeah, totally. And and that's why, you know, so I rebranded last year as Life Friendly Business, but before that, it was the Mumpreneur Collective. And, you know, obviously, I get people saying, why, why are you targeting mums? And it is because of exactly that. You said it so succinctly. And uh, I, I think, you know, it's a massive time of transformation in a woman's life, becoming a mother and having a change in career. All, and it often happens hand in hand, doesn't it? Because we're almost forced into that position of reflecting on how things are. So I know you said that, um, you know, you weren't shy of hard work, but did you, when you first started your own business and you knew that, you know, you wanted to be present for the kids, did you have any boundaries at the beginning where you were like, I'm going to work these hours and then, you know, I'm going to stop and be mum or, you know, how, how did that work for you? Yes and no. <laughs> there were boundaries, but I suppose it was quite messy as well. Um, but but more controlled mess, I would say, than when someone else was setting the timetable. I think when you start your own business, you, you always tend to give too much, don't you? And I think there's always a point when you start your business and you think, oh, OK, I, I started a business to build it around me and my needs and wants. And actually, I'm now veering into just building it around the client's needs and wants. And then I sort of pulled back. But I would say I always made sure that I was available to take my children to school and pick them up or in nursery. Um, and when they were very little, the kind of times that they were in nursery were sort of minimal. And I tried to work around doing things when they were, you know, in bed or when their, their dad got home from work. And at the very start, when I started my classes and I had to build up a following from nothing, I did all my classes at night in the evening and at the weekend on a Saturday and Sunday morning. And actually, some of those classes were very, very quiet. There were not many people that came to them because it wasn't the peak times for people attending fitness classes. And But I simply worked in my mindset and I actually remember my daughter coming to one of them and saying, well, how long are you going to do this for? Is it not really, you know, demotivating when you've only got about, you know, six or seven people in your class and I said well what's the worst thing that's going to happen I'm going to get fit out of this even if it goes nowhere and I'm making a bit of a profit anyway I always made sure that I wasn't at a loss and I said and I'm building up a reputation it doesn't matter that the classes aren't full yet but you know it was hard because I knew if I'd set the classes at a different time I could get much higher numbers but you were kind of 
confined by childcare because these were in-person classes, right? So yeah, just to to recap, so you started a fitness business um, that was in-person at this point. And I think, you know, that and what you said there as well, and I'm really sorry, I don't know whether you can hear, there's some soaring outside. Um, hopefully the microphone is, is not picking it up, but just in case. Um, uh, yeah, the, the thing about, and I, I think this is one thing about the, the messaging that can be out there, especially in the online world, about how quickly you could be making money if you start a business. And the reality is that like you were doing there, you were building the foundations and it can often be a slow start and a slow burn. And you're having to take time to build reputation and find what works and all those things. And I think that, you know, I, I feel like in the same way that, you know, I've got a 13 year old, everything he watches on YouTube gives you the impression that you can learn something in 20 minutes and make money from it, you know, and it's like this quick, 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 everything's got to be quick. And I feel like that messaging comes across with small businesses now saying that you should be making money straight away. But, you know, as your experience, it's going to take time and we have to stay very positive with the, the lessons that we're learning and all those kind of things. So um, just explain a little bit about how that then went on to change as well. I'll, I'll try and be succinct. <laughs> um, so, yeah, from day one, I knew that I wanted to build something myself. So whilst I did all the training days for certain branded fitness classes, I never actually taught them. I just did it to equip myself with the skills of the best instructors out there. Um, and so I started to, I created my own class concept, which I called FuseFit, because at that point in time, and actually maybe even still to this day, I felt you either did a cardio class like um, Zumba or something like that, or you did a strength class but you never got both in one place. And also I have a very low attention span or boredom threshold, I should say. And I would find these classes were always an hour and I would think halfway through, oh, I could be, I'm a bit fed up with this now, even though I love it, how can I do another half hour? So I did a fusion class of half a dance fitness combined with half of another concept, which rotated and one week it was, it would be ballet sculpt, combat, Pilates, um, I think we had even belly dancing for a while um, and strength training. And I built up this concept and I built it locally and then it sort of grew organically and people started to hear about it. And then eventually I launched it as a franchised concept and attended all the large fitness expos down south, which was an interesting experience, getting up on a stage to lead a class in the Excel in London, <laughs> having been a previous litigator. Um, and so I sold that as a, it was a licensed model, which is kind of like a, a less formal or watered down franchise. And sold that to instructors all over the UK, um, which was great. It was a great experience. And then in 2018, I did a TEDx talk called What If I Don't Know What My Passion Is? And it was such an amazing experience to write and create that talk. It was just a huge learning curve in itself. And to cut a long story short, once I had delivered that talk, I realised that I had actually built the wrong business. <laughs> and not the completely wrong business, but I was delivering this 
franchise concept to fitness professionals and I was no longer serving the end user as in the woman over 30 who wanted to get a bit fitter, a bit happier, have a bit more fun, enjoying her life and feel better about herself. And that's really what my passion was when women would tell me that, I'd, you know, I'd changed their lives and how they felt about themselves or they got their mojo back that they'd lost. Again, usually after becoming a mum. And I realised that I had actually veered off track and was now building their own business. So I started to wind that down, which was really scary. But coupled with that realisation, I knew it was the right thing because I could see the writing on the wall for even the large companies and these franchise models. They just weren't um, succeeding as well as they had been in previous years. And I, I could see a change happening in the fitness industry. So I thought, yeah, I need to I need to get out of here now. So I wound it down and then COVID struck and I took all of my classes online and created an online membership called the Female Fitness Hub. Um, I've also always had one-to-one -one clients. I spe I've specialised in women over, well, it's obviously older now, but originally over 30. <laughs> now it's probably over 40. And um, I've always had one-to-one -one clients as well as the, the group clients. So I also took all of them online. And I think that lockdown and COVID has accelerated the fitness industry by decades because it was coming. It just wasn't coming very quickly. And it's all worked, I have to say, beautifully well, much better than I ever imagined. And then I decided recently to change the membership again because a lot of people are now craving connection and community again. And there's still a hub there, but I'm not producing live classes regularly anymore, just once a week instead of six days a week. And my one-to-one -one clients, I still have a small handful, but I'm now, and I don't really like to say pivoting as we discussed earlier, because it's not really a pivot. It's just niching down, I would say. I'm now niching down into coaching business owners on mindset and habits for success in business and life. And the reality is I have been coaching women, mostly professional women over 35 for the last 10 years on mindset and habits, but the focus has been on their health and their well-being. But it also does often veer into just their whole lives because it's obviously all connected and interrelated and you can't really separate these areas. And so whenever I've coached my one-to-one -one clients, the first 20 minutes of every session has always been a deconstruction of their previous week or previous few days if they see me twice a week, what's worked, what hasn't worked, you know, how they've been feeling, how their mindset has been. And then we will reverse engineer what's happened and look at why any hiccups happened, not failures, we don't call it that, um, or slip ups, and then build it up again to see how they can succeed in the following week. And it's all based on a method and I know again that can sound a bit icky everybody has a method <laughs> and I've really I think I've really fought against becoming a coach I've always said whether out loud or in my head I will not be a coach I am not going to be a coach until I had this realization last year that actually I am a coach whether I say I am or not and the thing I really love is helping people with their habits and with their mindset
I really resonate with that. And I think that that it is a lot about leaning into your zone of genius. And, you know, I feel like that the term coach, uh, you know, a few years ago had a bit of a stigma. And, you know, it was when there was kind of a huge boom of everyone training to be a coach. And, you know, I, I myself called myself a business mentor instead of coach because, you know, a mentor. So my understanding between the difference of it from um, I did like a two day foundation course. So I haven't done like a proper course in coaching, but the course I did said that a mentor was 50 percent sharing expertise and knowledge from your own experience and 50 percent asking the questions for you to find your own answers. And a coach was 100 percent you asking the questions to help them find their own answers. Does that make sense? But actually, there is so much gray area because now you get business coaches who are more like consultants, who are 100 percent them sharing their expertise and telling you what to do so there's a whole gray area so I I you know was calling myself a business mentor and um you know it was only until like this past year that I realized that actually there has been a sea change about the term coaching I think people are much more savvy at what coaching is all about and so therefore yeah and I do actually coach as well as mentor so I've recently, you know, decided to embrace that term as well. So I, I really get that hesitancy. But I also think that now more and more, we've got to realise what people will be searching for. And people may well be searching for mindset coach mm-hmm. or business coach. And, you know, and, and if that's what we do, we have to own it. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. And I think it's a bit of sell them what they want, then give them what they need, isn't it? You know, I, I really struggled with that in the early days of, of fitness because you, you you know what people need and what will help them to succeed and thrive, but actually the thing that they're searching for is completely different. <laughs> um, but then when you deliver, they're very happy and they get all the results, but, you know, what, what actual language they're using can be quite different. I think with coach and mentor, the very fact that most people couldn't give you a definition of what it is tells you that it's actually not really that important. It's a bit, it's really semantics, isn't it? Because yeah. I, I've heard the definition you just said, but I'd forgotten about it. And so if you gave me that and asked me which I was, I would say more mentor because I'm very much one for telling people what to do. <laughs> I'm the daughter of a head teacher, um, rather than talking around the subject and actually that's something that frustrated me about the law as well. We were often advised to put all the facts before people but they had to make the decision themselves (laughs) whereas I just wanted to say this is what you should do. Many lawyers used to shy away from that. I think it's probably changed now. So I do quite like being quite definite and um, direct with people on a course of action and I think that's because that's what I look for yeah absolutely and I think you know one thing that is really interesting about your story is is the fact that you know you're obviously on this journey of discovery yourself as to what what your passion is and you know what you love doing and like you say a lot of the elements have always been there 
um, and you were looking for them in, in the in the legal profession and then you moved into the fitness classes and and you know now you're doing the mindset coaching like but it's got those those threads those strands that have been throughout the whole thing and I think that you know we I think so many people feel like they should know what they want to do and they should know what they want their business to be uh, but actually you know it evolves that's I mean this is I've got an evolved mastermind and it's all about embracing that the fact that everything that we do is a lesson and it's part of the journey and we will have realizations about things that we hadn't thought of before that then go into our business and make our business stronger more resilient help us to offer more value and you know we should be embracing that change and that journey because it does mean that we can provide something much more rich richer rich for everyone else definitely I think you know the, the older I become and the more experience I have in relation to that I would say that your definition and the way you view at view all of it kind of the lens widens and I think if someone was to ask me about what my passions were now, I would say people and self-improvement. I think from a very young age, I've been really interested in self-improvement and the power of the brain and the power that language has on the brain. Um, so I'm now actually, um, I managed to resist signing up for a coaching course that I didn't need. But I am studying a bit of neuroscience now and it's just, it's fascinating, I think, that we often don't realise the power that we have over our brains and our habits and how much control we have when we actually feel like we don't have any control sometimes. Um, but what you were saying about the threads, I think the best example I have of that was when I left law and uh, I was a stay-at-home mum for a while without working when my kids were very little, and I, I, I won't lie, I felt like a bit of a failure. And many people said to me, oh, all those years studying and practising have gone to waste. <laughs> and and I also felt like I'd let my mum down, which is ridiculous because she was delighted that I was staying at home with the children. And I had a conversation with her one day and I said, you know, do, do you think that, that it's a waste what I've done? And she said, don't be ridiculous everything you've done until now has made you who you are now, right down to the type of parent you're going to be to your children. If you hadn't have had all those experiences, you wouldn't be the person and the mum that you are now. And it just repeats over and over again, the more you go through your life, doesn't it? And there are so many, it's like dot to dot as well, like you could just connect everything. And you think, oh, OK, so that's why I'm here, because I did that and it's given me the experience, you know, or even the failure has given me the experience to get to where I am now. Absolutely. And, you know, we have to embrace the times when things go wrong because we learn more from them, don't we? So how do you measure your success? How do I measure my success? I measure my success by the happiness of the five people in my house. That's it. I love that. Oh, That's it. And it took me a bumps. long, long time to become really succinct with that. You yeah. know when you do a course and they do that, um, 
map or mindset map of the different areas of your life and you grade them and you write down about you know where you want to be with them and what you want to achieve and which one is the priority I don't know when it was or who it was with but I distinctly remember doing one years ago and it was a big shift in how I approached things after this before it I felt like I was just being pulled in all directions every day between the children and running the house um, you know, supporting my husband and building my business. Just pulled, pulled, pulled. And then I did one of these exercises and I'd also had a discussion with my husband about how something had to change. And like many women, and I'll not get into this today, but you know, there was, there was a burnout period in there at some point as well. And I knew something had to change. And I did this exercise and I, and I said, my family, are my number one priority, they are the biggest part of the pie and my whole happiness is mainly dictated by how content or happy or thriving those other four people are. And so they're they're number one, they'll be the priority, they always will be for me. Um, You know, we're in a privileged position that that we're not, you know, short of food or house or heat. So they're just going to be my priority. And once I made that decision, everything became much, much easier because it became easier to say no to things that I knew wouldn't serve that purpose. And the hard part of that is that you can't then say yes to some things that you would like to, but because I've made that overall overarching decision on the principle, everything else fell into place. And what's quite exciting now is my eldest just went off to university in September. And I used to project into the future when she was younger about the type of mum I wanted to be and how I wanted to feel the day she left. And I would say that I, so I stepped back when she left and I took time to actually feel good about myself and congratulate myself on achieving that goal and it still feels a wee bit icky saying that as Brits we're not very good at you know doing the you know what have I done well what what are my achievements but I made sure that I stepped back because it was a really big journey of it's a difficult journey when your first child leaves home but again as I would do for my clients I really worked on my mindset and my habits and I took time to kind of process and realise I've done what I set out to do here. Um, I've got the relationship that I wanted to have with her. I know that doesn't always work out as planned, even with best intentions. And with my two boys, it might just all go to pot. But um, and then I set new goals for myself and I've got a bit more breathing space now to chase them. And I'm really, really excited for what the next years I've got in store. That is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And I, you know, my eldest is 13, but I've spoken to people who've got kids at university and they've explained to me that, you know, even when they go to university, to have the flexibility to be able to perhaps drop everything and, you know, drive and see them at university when they're having a crisis, you know, that's what to them is so valuable about being their own boss. The fact that even when they're that age, you know, they're still they still need you and, you know, to build something. Yeah, you don't appreciate that when you're when they're younger. You, you always think you're in the hardest part. 
<laughs> and um, so my second child, my, my first son, is now in his important exams year. And, oh, oh, it's so tough for them. And, you know, when they're toddlers, you do think it's never going to be this hard again. But actually, <laughs> when it just changes, <laughs> just changes how they need you. And, and it is an absolute luxury to be able to be there for them. Um, and actually, there's a change I've decided to make. So I have my own coach and I was listening to his audiobook when I was on holiday over Christmas. And he suggested that he's often taken a, like a two hour or four hour round train journey to do intense work where you don't have distractions. And my daughter happens to be an hour and 45 minutes away on the train. So I thought I am going to do that once a month and I'm going to do intense work each leg of the journey. And it means I can go and meet her for lunch. Um, and I, I, yeah, I love that idea. I love that. And, uh, you know, for me, it's a little bit more expensive, but I go away for a night in a hotel and have like 24 hours solo time. And I, you know, I, I am so productive, you know, because I'm not having to think about what's for tea, letting the dog out into the garden, all those things. I just think, yeah, having that focus time is brilliant. So what's next for you? What's next? So I have now um, opened up my, well, doors as they say to um, offer one-to-one coaching for business owners to help with their mindset and their habits to set them up for success in the next year and beyond so anyone is a uh, open to sending me a direct message to chat and find out if we are right for each other and I'm not labeling myself as dealing with one particular thing because the way I work it can deal with imposter syndrome, self-sabotage, procrastination, it all really comes under the same umbrella with the sort of method that I teach to help with all of these things. And I am launching my podcast, which I'm super excited about, by the end of the month. And it's going to be called Your Daily High, and it's daily inspiration for success in business. Exciting times, lots of stuff coming up. And where can people find you? At the moment, people can find me on Facebook. Just probably the best place is my personal Facebook page, Margaret Schenken. And uh, yeah, that's it. So one last question before we finish. So if you could go back in time and speak to Margaret when she was working in law as a litigator, uh, and, you know, what advice would you give her about the future? Oh, about the future, okay. General advice would be, be more you, um, and weird is good. And advice about the future would probably be, just take one day at a time. Don't, don't try to think too far ahead and it will all fall into place. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you for speaking to me today. Oh, it was lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Does every win feel slightly tinged with guilt? Do you have your best month ever financially in your business, but yet you feel like it's been at the detriment of your health or your family? The success and fulfillment you're looking for can only be enjoyed when your business and home life are balanced in harmony. 
It's time to stop trading off between life and business. It's time to evolve them both. Join me for our next 12-week Evolve Mastermind, where you'll work towards your next stretch business goal while maintaining the balance across all areas of your life, so that when you reach your goal, you feel successful, not exhausted, behind or neglectful. It's time to take back the power. Find out more about the Evolve Mastermind at lifefriendlybusiness.com.